0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
2: Theologically, God doesn't dwell in buildings made with hands. I got that. I know that. He doesn't dwell in cities. He doesn't dwell geographically. So God can be in Jerusalem and God can be here in Apex at the same time. I got that. But I also know and believe there's something very, very, very special about the city of Jerusalem. I just wish, I wish I could take every one of you. I wish I could pay your way and take every one of you. Because I think we could take a leap forward in the Bible if I could take every one of you, we could take a leap forward in the scriptures. Because there's a lot of things you would get, and I wouldn't have to explain it. You would just get it. Like I'm telling you now, the city of Jerusalem is like no other city on earth. Never was, never. It isn't currently, it never will be. And I wouldn't have to explain that to you. Because if you've been there, you would go, yep, I know. You're right. Move on. It's that awesome. Majestic. Hard to explain. Hard to explain. Stand there on Mount Scopus and overlook the city. Stand on Mount Moriah, go to Golgotha and see the skull. It's amazing. So in verse two and uh, through thirty-four. Pardon me. In verse three through thirty t- through twenty-four. Pardon me. In verse three through twenty-four is an extensive list of names, tribal leaders, military men, priests and Levites and gatekeepers and volunteers. And I think in this humid, hot day room, and if I read you those names, I will put every one of you to sleep just like that. But the thing that that, that I see, and maybe maybe you can relate to this, the longer I walk with God, um, I, I, I realize more and more how much God really loves us. And, and, and even with all of our issues and all of our baggage, you know, the Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so don't look at other people's sin and judge them. Look at your own. Don't compare people against your own standards of legalism and what is right and what is wrong. Judge people by God's standards. And I'm saying that because as you look at the Jerusalem in Nehemiah's day, by the time they are finished with the lots, Jerusalem is filled with different people with all kinds of personalities and pedigrees and families, are you listening, and skeletons in their family closet. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, at this time, the people of Israel are reduced to three tribes, Judah, Benjamin, and Levi. But these tribes have something interesting and even some sordid stories in their families. For example, in verse six, go ahead and look at verse six. All the sons of Perez who dwelt in Jerusalem were 468 valiant men. Now, if you study this uh, this family of Perez, um, Perez was the result of an illegitimate relationship. His father had a relationship with his daughter-in-law, and Perez is also of the tribe of Benjamin. We know that the tribe of Benjamin is historically known, or do you know, for their perversion. And none of that is mentioned here. I think because God doesn't wipe in your face the sin of your family. Anybody glad about that? God doesn't wipe that in your face. That's not mentioned here. I think that's, and I think that's interesting that it's not mentioned here. God says, repent and keep moving. We also learn from verse six, the sons of Perez uh, were 468 valiant and chosen by God to dwell in the city of Jerusalem. Verse 10 and 12, just kind of peruse with me. We'll move quick. There were 822 priests who served the Lord, verses 10 through 12. In verse 13, the heads, the chiefs of the fathers. In verse 14, the men of valor, 128, and their overseer, uh, Zebdiel. Zebdiel was the son of great men. Verse 15 and 16, the Levites, who those who had oversight, of the business of the church. Uh, They would be like a Pastor Nelson. They had oversight of the business of the church. And then in verse 17, Matthias, the son of Micah, this guy was one who prayed. You know, I remember some time ago, I was sitting in my office thinking today, and I remember some time ago where during service, listen to this, we used to have people in the conference room back here, and they used to gather and pray during the service and i always thought that was nice and i always felt blessed and i always in some way felt that power that people were praying during the service and actually especially they were praying during second service Uh, Because we had so many people here doing second service and you don't know who's coming through the doors and you don't know that everybody walking through the doors are Christian. I would be not wise to think that everybody who walks through the doors are Christians, whether it be a weekend service or even, you know, a Wednesday night service. And so there were people in that room praying. That was a valuable ministry. And if you want to be a ministry where you ultimately receive a big crown, get in the prayer ministry. Because people who pray behind the scenes, they don't get the accolades from men, but God knows your name and great is your reward in heaven. Can you say amen? amen. I think that's so awesome. You know, I want to read you this story and, and I love, this is probably one of my favorite stories um, about the Prince of Preachers. He's my favorite preacher talking about the power behind ministry and prayer Prayers at TNT to the life of every believer in church. The Prince of Preachers, C.H. Spurgeon, by the age of 17, had a congregation number of around 7,000. In London, the Metropolitan Tabernacle was huge, and ministers and preachers and church workers were coming from all over the world to see Spurgeon and to see what the Lord was doing at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And one Sunday afternoon, a group of ministers were walking around the tabernacle, and they saw a stout man wearing a bib and overalls, and they assumed that he was a janitor. And they said, "Sir, would you be so kind as to show us the power plant of this beautiful structure? We'd like to see where the heating comes from, and uh, the heat such a large building." And the man says, "Certainly." And he led that group of ministers through the hallway, down the stairwell, into the basement. They walked through a narrow corridor, and they came to a door, and they opened it up, and they said, "Brethren." This is the power plant of the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And these guys looked in expecting to see some mighty furnace or some great heating system. But what they saw was 200 men on their knees in prayer on that Sunday afternoon, praying for the Sunday evening service that would take place in a few short hours. And the guy in the overall said, that's the power plant of the Metropolitan Tabernacle, a group of men who pray. And they stuck around for the service, and they were surprised to see when the service began, a man who stepped up to the stage and stood behind the pulpit was the guy in the overalls, who they thought was the janitor, was actually Reverend C.H. Spurgeon. Spurgeon knew where the power was, and he had people praying for the work of the Lord at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. This guy in verse 17, Matthias, he just prayed. Look at verse 17. He just prayed with thanksgiving, verse 22 through 24. Then you have the singers. So Asaph was in charge of the singers and the singers were taken care of. In verse 25 through 36, Jewish villages and towns and hamlets throughout Judea. And in verses three through 19, you've got the numbers of families, all total 3,044. And if that's a 10th, then you see how small the population of Jerusalem. Many of them stayed in Jerusalem willingly. I find it interesting that God kept record. Interesting. You can learn from chapter 7 and this chapter. Many of these people, you'll never hear their names. Some of these names you can't even pronounce. And yet their name is written in a book that has been a bestseller for all of history. Think about that. Their names are only mentioned here, but marked by God for eternity. God keeps record. And I wonder if God had a column, and and he had a column of willingly, and he had another column of, oh, man, do I got to? I wonder, what column would you be in? Willingly? Oh, man, do I got to? Let me tell you something, the best place to be is in the will of God, wherever that is. Well, listen, chapter 12, fasten your seatbelt. Again, if you need a good sleep aid, read chapter 7. If that's not working, pop over to chapter 10, verses 1 through 27. I'm just trying to help you. If that's not working, you need extra strength sleep aid, chapter 12 should take care of it. All right? Chapter 12, and I want you to look at uh, uh, verse 1. Chapter 12, verse 1, you're looking at it? Say amen. amen. Now, these are the priests and the Levites who came up with Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel and Jeshua and Syria, Jeremiah, Ezra. Stop right there. Give me your attention. That's enough. Look at verse, let's fast forward to Verse 27. Now, the dedication of the wall we have here in chapter 12. And actually, I want you to back up to verse 24. I want you to see something in verse 24. And the heads of the Levites were these people with their brothers across from them. Underline this. To praise and give thanks. Group alternating with group. According to. To the command, underline this, according to the command of David, the man of God. David is mentioned five times in this chapter, verse 24, verse 36, verse 37, verse 45, and verse 46. And it's interesting because verse 24 tells us, according to the command of David, the man of God. It's interesting because more often in scripture you read, according to the word of Moses, or according to the laws of Moses. But now we come to the singers in the courts, and it reads, according to the commandment of David. Why? Because when you think about worship in Israel, you think about David, don't you? Now, at this point, David's been dead for 500 years, and yet it was David who established much of the worship of Israel he organized the priests and the Levites. He wrote many songs for the temple choir. He made instruments to use in the temple worship. David gave the blueprint for the temple, and David gave a lot of money for the construction of the temple. I think of Second um, uh, Samuel 23 verse 1. Write that down. The Bible refers to David as the sweet psalmist. Now these are the words of David, thus says David, the son of Jesse, the anointed of God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. Interesting. It doesn't say that these are the words of the giant slayer. These are the words of the awesome king. These are the words of the one who killed his ten thousands. No, these are the words of the sweet psalmist of Israel, David, the son of Jesse. But most of us, David is the sweet psalmist, isn't he? And whether you know it or not, many of the songs that we sing here and many of the songs that were written in the church, especially during, you know, this modern Christianity and praise and worship era are right out of the psalms. I remember when I first went to Calvary Chapel, and it was Calvary Chapel Vista. And, and, and keep in mind, I had come from like a church of God in Christ where we had the choir and we had, um, you know, uh, the big choir and choir robes and, you know, the Hammond B3 organ. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And it was, I walked in Calvary and it was so different. And there was one guy standing there, like some of y'all had experience when you first came here. You, you're like, huh? I know, I, I see it written over your head like bubbles. I see it in the spirit. And, and, you know, huh, and somebody's standing up here singing some songs. And, well, well, when I first went to Calvary Chapel, uh, 20 plus years ago, there was just a guy and a girl. And remember, sweetie? And he was standing there and he was just saying, you know, seek ye first the
1: kingdom of God. This is my air guitar. And his righteousness.
2: And That's right out of Psalm. Or how about Psalm 25, verse 1? Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul.
1: Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Oh, my God. And the ladies go, oh, my God. I trust in thee. I trust in thee.
2: Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph. Over me, that's Psalm 25, written by the sweet psalmist David. Psalm 5, give ear to my word, O Lord. We sang simple songs back then. We didn't have all this. Give ear to my word, O Lord.
1: Consider my meditation. Meditation. Harken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. Remember that? For unto thee will I pray, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer. Unto thee and will look up.
2: Psalm five. And we just sing the songs, and you know that better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house. That's Psalm eighty four. The sweet psalmist David.
1: One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to behold the beauty the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, the temple of the Lord, to behold the beauty, the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, the temple of the
2: Lord. All those songs come right, aren't they beautiful, simple songs and songs That's kind of how I grew up in Calvary Chapel, so some of y'all come here, and we've got this big worship band and all this stuff here, and you know, it was, for me, it was even more shocking, because I came from the Hammond B3 to, to behold the beauty, the beauty of
1: the Lord, to inquire.
2: It's quite different. In Psalm 47, verse 1 and 2, write it down. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout to God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord, most high, is awesome. Did you know believers are encouraged to sing about God 116 times in the Bible, to rejoice 195 times, to praise God 267 times, to bless God with gladness 48 times, and to shout 48 times? The Lord likes to see his people celebrating And then in Ephesians chapter 5, it tells us that we ought to be singing and making melody in our hearts toward the Lord, that we should bless God. And that's why singing and worship is important to me, and it should be important to you, and praising God is important. And that's why we give great priority to it here at Calvary Chapel. And that's why sometimes, honestly, listen to me, when I feel that the church, the body's not worshiping, I feel compelled. To, to come to the stage, and to stop the music, and to try to help you to refocus, because we're not here to perform, we're here to worship, and I wouldn't be your pastor, I'll wait while you clap your hands. And I wouldn't be your pastor and I wouldn't be your friend and I wouldn't be a man who's supposed to be teaching you the word of God and a godly man if I didn't help you to understand. You don't sing God's words, just mumble them off your lips so you can kill time. It's not song service. It's worship to the great and the awesome and the mighty God. And this is where I'm going to wait while somebody get excited about that. And worship is important. That's why I stop. Not because I'm not happy with the song. Not, I don't care. We can play spoons. I don't care. I care that your hearts are not engaging because I'm the pastor. I can feel it. I can feel it in the spirit. And to tell you the truth, you can too. Can't you? And to me, it's nothing worse than God's people getting together and just saying, oh, yeah servant awesome God what is wrong with Christians we should be praising God every moment we get and singing and worshiping God and in your car and walking down the street and blessing God and worshiping the Lord because he's been so good and isn't that enough And I just don't get it. And I don't think everybody needs to be like amped up like me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. <laughs> not, no, I'm not saying we have room full of me. It wouldn't be chaos. And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. How can you, how can you not worship God? How can you just sit there and do this? How can you just un- unattached, uninvolved? Or, or you come in and your mind is somewhere else or you're critical of, you know, I don't like the color of this carpet. I mean, you know what I mean? It's not, Or well, the plants look a little dry today. And, uh, huh? I don't get it. And if your heart's not right and it's not going to get right in here, then do yourself a favor. Get some place where your heart can get Right? You've got to do it for your own spiritual growth, because if not, you just dry up. And then worshiping God seems like a brick wall. And your heart is not there. Your body is, but your heart is not there. And I can just tell you, I'm just trying to keep it real for you. God's not pleased with that. And you can come to church all day, and you can stay here 24 hours a day, and it won't got, make God any more pleased. He won't be. David was a psalmist, and arguably a better psalmist than a king or a father. In verse twenty-five, look at verse twenty-five in chapter uh, twelve. And maybe I should get you know, I read you some names so you don't feel gypped, okay? <laughs> look at look at verse twelve. Matthiah, and and y'all making me work for my money tonight, Lord. My, my, Mathaniah and Bak, Bakbukaiah, Obadiah, Meshulam, Talman sounds like Salmon, Akbub, Akkub were gatekeepers, ooh, keeping the watch at the storerooms of the gate. These lived in the days of Jehoiakim the son of Jeshua, the son of Josadak, Josedeck in the days of Nehemiah, the governor of, and of Ezra, the priest, the scribe. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And think about this. God knows every one of their names. And we can't even hardly say their names. God knows their names. And they may seem insignificant. And ushers and greeters here at Calvary Chapel, God knows your name. And God knows people who serve in security. And God knows the hundreds of people who do children's ministry. And God knows you who signed up to serve in the Vacation Bible School. And that's why we have so many more names this year. God knows every name. And God will reward accordingly. In verses 27 through 31 now at the dedication of the wall of jerusalem they sought out the levites in all their places to bring them to jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness with gladness both with thanksgiving and singing with cymbals and string instruments and harps and the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around jerusalem